Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Si el ritmo te lleva a mover la cabeza y empezamos como es. Mi música no discrimina a nadie, así que vamos a romper toda mi gente se mueve. Mira el ritmo como los tiene. boom, and we're on. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the Coach HP podcast show. Thank you for making us the number one, the number one, el número uno podcast on the internet that's pushing positivity that's pushing authenticness or authenticity not authenticity and that's pushing love if you haven't yet join the movement jump aboard we're only about to launch this thing we haven't even started yet i think i'm about 52 episodes in i got about maybe 12 left that I have to put up. I'm getting there. The coach is a one-man team. Written, directed, produced by everything. One of one. So it takes some time, but I can't thank you guys enough. I'm going to do a little state of the union of where I'm at. What's new with the coach? What's coming up? What deals have I done? Things that I that are on my mind. Things that I've seen. That episode's coming up soon where I mix it up and start talking a little bit more, not interview style, but start talking. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to share you guys, my audience that has shown me so much support, that has reached out to me with your questions, with your support, which I love. I'm going to give you guys a little one, two of things that work for me, things that haven't worked for me, things that I deal with today on how I have to be patient, on how I deal with people that tell me things and doesn't happen right away. That mindset, that mindset that helps, that helps everybody win. Gratitude. Gratitude is where it all starts. The gratitude leads to healthy mindset and you don't take anything for granted there. With that said, this episode of the Coach HP Show, funny, 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 determined, but really funny, dude. We got show. We have none other than comedian Brad Williams. Hilarious, hilarious dude. Super funny. Great episode. This episode was shot back in August. It takes me sometimes to get these episodes out sometimes, but it was out in August. But I can't tell you how real this guy was, how, how it goes to show you that no limitations whether it's physical whether it's mental can stop you from attacking your dreams without further delay my man brad williams comedic genius one of the funniest people i've seen let's go uh -huh. 
te lleva a mover la cabeza y empezamos como es Mi música no discrimina a nadie así que vamos a romper Toda mi gente se mueve, mira el ritmo como los tiene All right, three, two, one, boom, we're on. Brad, the best way to describe you, bro, is you're a fucking savage, man. The stuff, <laughs> the stuff that you do on stage, I'm a big, big, big fan of. I'm a big fan of comedians by, by far. I was, I lived six years in Los Angeles. My first acting teacher when I lived in my car, that the mm -hmm. dude literally got me out of my car that I stayed with him was a gentleman who passed away, I think, like a year and a half ago, called Gary Austin. Gary yeah. Austin created the Groundlings. Oh, wow. And this dude trained me every single day. And I didn't know I was going to become a performer. Yeah. And the reason why I say performer is I'm a public speaker, and I love the stage. And mm. I copy a lot of what you comedians do on a day-to-day -day basis of just literally getting on stage, no fear, Sucking sometimes because you're working on material, you know. At least you comedians get that, you get that break that you're working on material. I'm just working on my story, so if that sucks, I'm <laughs> I'm fucked, bro. Hey, how it, did it, you... it's the same? It's the same thing. It, it's the same it, philosophy. Same philosophy. It's the same thing because our jokes are still our are a version of our story. So it's the same thing to where we're where we're just putting it out there and seeing what works and. Does it work sometimes? Yes, sometimes it works the first time, but more, but more often than not, it, it bombs the first time, and you gotta and you gotta adjust it, you gotta tweak it, and I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that happens uh, with your speaking, where you think, okay, this is this is the story, this is how it happened. How do I tell it in the most in, in, entertaining way possible? Um, a lot of my jokes happen because something crazy happens to me, and then I think to myself, wow, that was crazy. It would have been crazier if this happened, and then I throw that in there, and then that becomes the joke. And uh, so, yeah, there, there's a, the, the the best jokes have some base and truth, in my personal opinion. And uh, so that so that's what I try to do. But I'm but I'm I'm fascinated because we were talking a little before we came on air uh, about about your story, and you said uh, that you just started this thing when COVID happened. When I when I got the request from you to be on the show, I looked up your show to be like, what is this? What is this show that I, that 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 they're asking me to be on? And I look it up, man. You got followers, listeners, fans. You've got you 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 built a whole thing, and that's that's amazing. And that just shows you that that's what can happen when you get something like COVID in your life, whether it be COVID or something else that puts a little roadblock. Is you work your way around it. Tomorrow night, I'm doing a live stand-up show uh, in front of people, but they're in their cars. It's a drive-in show, so we're we you just kind of adjust. You you kind of your your hand gets dealt, and you go, okay, that wasn't what I would prefer, but I have to adjust. So now so now we're adjusting. Well, Brad, uh, Brad, when did you start? When did you start thinking about comedy? About Honesty, because I think comedy and being honest are go hand in hand, man, with the story you tell. When did you start thinking about that? Um, I started when I was 19 years old. Um, I'm 36 now, which is like 72 and dwarf. 
and uh so so uh that that's a joke i'm fine uh but yeah i started i was 19 years old i took my dad to a comedy club for father's day weekend and the comedian on stage started making midget jokes and half the audience was laughing and the audience that was sitting by me was like <laughs> like and not laughing and the and the comedian looked and noticed that he goes why aren't you guys laughing he goes what is one of them here and i just raised my creepy little hand in the air like yeah what's up <laughs> and um he called me up on stage and he started asking me questions because he thought like i want i, I want to get to know you and he, and he asked me questions and i answered the questions honestly i was not trying to get laughs i was trying to be funny um and my answers got laughs from the audience and as soon as that happened i'm like oh this is this is sweet i like this um i was i was 19 i was going to usc and the next week um i i signed up for an open mic night um did that for about did a, did open mics for about a year and a half i was a year away from graduating from college and i was just like nah i already found what i want to do so i dropped out of college by the way great thing to call your parents and tell them uh that you're <laughs> dropping out of the U, that you're dropping out of usc the U, the university of spoiled children and uh <laughs> dropping out of that to be a stand-up comic mm, that's a fun brad time. when you were doing comedy there right before you dropped out how many days a week were you going up on open mic oh i was going i was going on the road sometimes like uh but yeah. paid gigs paid gigs yeah sometimes, no way, sometimes. Um, to where when, when, when I dropped out, like when, when I started, I was going up like maybe twice a month, not that much. But w when I dropped out, it was because I was going to school Monday through Wednesday, Thursday morning, hopping on a plane, flying, doing shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, fly awesome, home yeah. Monday, and then go back to class. My grades, like horrible didn't do any work and it's so hard to go to class and learn about something that you don't necessarily think you're going to use in your life um when you've been out on the weekend going well that's what i'm going to do that's what i'm going to do with my life let's just keep doing that you know and uh so yeah uh that that's why that's why i dropped out and uh my parents were upset, which they should be. If your kid's a, a, a year away from graduating and says they want to drop out and be a stand-up comic, yeah, you, you, I'd be mad. If, I, I, I'm a new father, and if my daughter came to me and said that, uh, yeah, I'd probably be pissed off too. So. Brad, how was your relationship with your parents to, at that point, at that point? When right. you're doing the great, like, did yeah. you talk to them and say, listen, uh, Dad, what's up, bro? Listen, I'm going to take this route. Did he see talent in you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, like I was always the funny guy, but there's a difference between you're, you're a funny guy and I'm going to make my living being right. a funny guy. Cause comedian is one of those jobs. That's like, we know the job exists, but we don't know how someone does it. Like, and I know that because the way people ask me questions about how you become a comedian, like I was, I'd be a year in, two years in, and and they'd be like, "Cool, who's writing your jokes?" And I'm like, "I'm writing my jokes. Did I did, did I miss something? Did, like, did I not go to the vice president of show business's 
office where he goes, oh, you're a comedian. Fuck. Okay. And then he just like hands me a stack of jokes. Like, oh, that doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah. And I think it's that unknown that, that, uh, and it's the, uh, it's the unknown that scares people. And also I didn't know, I didn't know that the success rate for comics is, is insanely low. If I would have known that, I probably wouldn't have dropped out to do it. I, I probably just would have been like, holy crap, like none of you guys make it? Like there's been guys 20 years, 30 years still doing open. Like my first open mic was at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. And I sign up and I'm in the line because you, you, you have to sign up at about one o'clock and, and then the show's at like five o'clock. So you're just sitting there for four hours with, with a bunch of open micers and just shooting the shit, talking about open mic and what you're doing. And I, and, I, and I remember the first day, there, there was a guy there, and he goes, hey, man, I've never seen you before. What's your name? I go, oh, my name's Brad, and it's my very first time doing this. And he goes, ah, first time? Don't worry. I've been doing open mics for 15 years. Just do whatever <laughs> I do. You'll be fine. I'm like, no oh, way. You're not working. <laughs> I don't want to do what you do. Like, listen, Brad, I lived in Los Angeles for six years. Yeah. That negativity... Or that weirdness that people, and it's sad. It's the saddest thing in the world because when somebody is determined to do something and they have a positive attitude, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. But standing in that line, I'm sure out of, let's say, 50 comedians, you're probably one, maybe two that had a positive mindset like, this is going to be awesome. And yeah. the rest were doing stupid shit like that, bro. Yeah. Let's and talk about your mindset. Before we begin, I want to hear about your mindset. Sure. You said you didn't know any better. But when did you know, like, dude, I got a talent for this, man? Ah, uh, uh, for stand-up specifically? For life, but for stand-up specifically. Yeah. Well, like, I've always been a performer. Um, and in that, like, I always did, like, theater and plays and stuff growing up. And I loved being on stage, loved doing that kind of stuff. And I think the reason why is because... Um, as a person who has dwarfism, and if you're just and if you're just uh, listening to this, yes, uh, I'm an a chondroplastic dwarf. I'm uh, I'm an adult. I'm four. I'm four foot four. Uh, so there you go. That's the base. Um, being being uh, being a dwarf means you get stared at a lot. So I think I like performing because it gave me something to do when people were staring at me. Like, oh, you're staring at me. Okay, here's the message. And that's why I really love stand-up comedy is because I'm, I control all the message. I control the entire thing. But I found out that I, that I think I was good at this when um, a comedian had me open for him. Uh, and it was like a last-minute replacement. Uh, and I had never done a crowd this big. It was at the Fox Theater in Bakersfield, which is like 1,300 people. And it was sold out. And he had me open and I got a standing ovation. And that was only like my ninth time on stage. Uh, wow. When that happened, I was like, oh, I might be good at this. Like I, I might be able, I might be able to do this. And, and so when I did stuff like that, there's little benchmarks like that, 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 that you hit. I mean, to be honest, there's still times when I write a joke, I'm, I'm 17 years into comedy I'm 36 years old. There's still times when I write a joke, I put it out there, it doesn't work, and I go, was this the right career? 
was this the thing I should do? Like, should I go back to school? Like, so I don't know. Like, um, I, I know that I'm very sure that I will never be as good at anything as I am at stand-up comedy. This, this is what I'm good at. Uh, I could do other things, but I'm not going to be that good. But so I, I would say that moment was the moment, but there's little moments throughout your career where, you know, you build yourself up, you do a good show, you do, you, you get a gig, you get a, something good happens. And then there's moments you bomb where you go home and question every decision you've ever made in your entire life. Uh, and those stick with you. And hopefully you learn like the worst, the worst bomb I ever had was at the Ontario improv in the Inland empire, Southern California. Uh, and a lot of time in comedy, comedy clubs will do like themed nights, like, Hey, it's Asian night. It's Jewish night. It's black night. And you just have <laughs> all the comics, uh, look a certain way. Well, I got booked on their black night where it was like, it was, it was urban comics. Yeah. They don't call it black night. They call it urban. Urban. Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Urban. urban. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it, it, it's always some weird name. Like they'll do Mexican night, but they won't call it Mexican night. They'll call it uh, refried Fridays. Mariachi Fridays. And you know what yeah, that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing it. I, I forgot what the name was. It was probably something racist. And um, <laughs> it, 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 it was my first time performing for an urban audience. And I, I got scared because I thought like, oh, these people are different than me. I have to change me to be what they want me to be. And I went on stage and I did stuff that was so not me and so embarrassing. And so just me trying to be like, well, this is what you people like. And like, <laughs> oh, oh, wow. God, you made it out alive that night. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. It was so awful. And I bombed so hard. And I remember just walking off stage like, Hey, maybe I'll never do stand up again because this was horrible. Because, and this is a credit to African American audiences. Bombing in front of African American audiences is the worst because they don't just heckle and say you suck, they ignore you. If you bomb in front of an African American audience, they, they just go, Oh, he sucks. And then they turn and they start having a conversation at their table. You don't exist. You're screaming into a microphone. You don't exist. It's the worst. That's that's worse than anyone yelling out, not funny, you suck, go home. Like that's worse than that. But but I learned something from that bomb, and that something is just be who you are. Don't try to change yourself and be something you're not to appease other people or other groups. Be authentic, and that's that's what people appreciate. And so the next time I did an urban night, I just did me. I just, the, okay, I'll just do me. And I had a great set that night. So it was like, okay, I learned something. So even when you bomb, it's fine to bomb. You're going to bomb. You're going to fail in life at whatever it is. It's, it's if you can learn something from that failure. If you can learn something, it's not a waste. But if, if you fail and just say, well, I was perfect. It was just the other person. They, they did something wrong. Right. Then you haven't learned anything. Then, then it was a wasted opportunity. 
and that you didn't come away a better a, a better person because of it. For the people that do stand up comedy, um, we would not do anything else. So, like, I would not have another job because I really like stand up comedy. For for the people that don't do stand up comedy, it seems like the hardest job in the world because wow, standing up in front of strangers and trying to make them laugh and a room full of drunks and late nights and everything like that. It sounds impossible. And I, and I, and I, and I can see why. Uh, but then once you do it and what, and once it becomes your life, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like everything else where you just, it becomes your normal. This is what is normal to me, but I, I will break down. I'll break down your average comedian week. Okay. Um, and the, this is before COVID, pre-COVID, because now everything's off the table. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. But your average comedian week is your week starts on probably either Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday, you you fly out to wherever you're going to be that weekend. Travel day. Uh, usually you get a really early flight so you can get there on time so you can do a show that night. Um, you're you're drained from the travel. You go, you do your show. Wednesday or Thursday night show is probably not the best show because everyone's hyped for Saturday. So the, so the people that are coming on Wednesday or Thursday maybe don't know you. Maybe maybe it's a light crowd, so you might so you may not have a good show, and it's a, and it's a little bit of a fight. Uh, you're exhausted, and then you do the show, and then you go back to your hotel, and then the next day you get woken up at about five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. Because you have to go do radio uh, or morning TV to hype hype your shows that weekend to plug to plug your shows. Morning radio can be some of the most fun you're ever gonna have, and it can be some of the worst. Oh, it's 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 like when you get when when you get a good morning rate morning radio team, it's awesome. It's it's you're hanging out with your boys. It's great when you get the guy or girl that either wants to be funnier than you wants you to do bits doesn't want to have a conversation or essentially just reads from your from your wikipedia page or like (laughs) just just in the same way i was talking earlier about how you have to be authentic who isn't who isn't authentic i've had guys have a conversation with me and they're really nice off air and it's going really great and then that light turns on. They're like, "All right, we're back with Chuck and Fuck in the morning." Right, right, right. He's gonna be at the Temple Hut this weekend. Brad, tell us some of the craziest stuff that's happened to you on the road. You know, bro, and- whoa, 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 whoa! Listen to me, Brad. That has to be a character. On, have you done that yet? No, no, you gotta do it, bro. Every comic's experienced this. No, you gotta do it, dude. I mean, I know you're already written tomorrow, but next thing, <laughs> you gotta do that character, bro. That is awesome. All right, everybody, we're gonna do brand new character. We're gonna do brand new character. It's radio in the morning. Radio in the morning. We're we're gonna talk to you right now. All right, Brad, tell us right now. Taylor Swift, would you hit that? <laughs> um. <laughs> It's madness, and then they'll they'll say that uh, they'll try to be funnier than you, or you'll give an answer that you know is not funny. You'll 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 you know they'll say like, hey, who's the funniest 
funniest person in your family besides you. You're like, oh, my dad's pretty funny. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, like, that was not why. Why did you laugh at that? That was horrible. Um, so yeah, it, the, so 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 you do radio, then you go home or back to the hotel, and then you usually sleep. You usually take a nap, and then uh, you wake up. Maybe you work out. Maybe you swim in the pool. Maybe you watch Netflix. You go, you go do the show uh, again. If it's a fr- if, if if it's a Friday show, you're doing two shows. I do the show. I do, I do a meet and greet afterward to where nice. I because I sell merchandise and talk to people. Come back, do the late show, and then just just so we all know, the if you read Steve Martin's book Born Standing Up, he says the Friday night late show is why he quit stand up comedy. <laughs> that is that is the show that's like hammered everybody's hammered it's like bye yeah and it's fr- it's friday so that means they woke up early they went to work they're already God. tired they probably they, they probably pre-partied right after work long dinner pre-party and now and now they're going to a 10 30 comedy show they're drained but they're also loud they might be on dates. A lot, a lot of guys are insecure because now you're being funnier than they are in front of their date. Um, they don't like that. Uh, so yeah, Friday night late shows all always a war. And then you do your shows on Saturday. You do your shows on Sunday. You try to do something during the day. You try to figure out something to do. Maybe you're making enough money to where you can do something fun on Saturday and Sunday. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just hanging out in the hotel all day. I don't know. And then you fly home on Monday. And you have Monday, Tuesday home, where usually you're getting ready, you're packing, you're doing laundry, you're handling bills, you're doing all that. And then uh, all those little things that most people do for the entire week, you do all your household chores in two, in, two, in two days. Also, you have to go out on Monday and Tuesday night in like L.A. or New York or where, where, wherever you live. And you, have, and you have to do sets those nights because you got to maintain a presence there. And then on and then on Wednesday or Thursday you get up and you got to do the whole routine again. So that so that's your week. So you have like two or three days home, and then the rest is either traveling or on the road. And I'll say, on travel days for me, my my, my wife knows when I get home from the road, I'm not like walking the door and then boom, it's Brad and I'm normal and I'm fine. I need that day to be like recover because it's travel and it's waking up early. It's getting on planes. It's sleeping, but not really. It's like, you're just drained from the weekend. Maybe my voice is shot from doing six, seven shows in a week. So I usually like sleep the whole day that I get home and then, and then, all right, the next day, now let's go. Now I have like a day or two. And if you have a wife or a girl or a, or a husband or whatever, You've got you've got to be a good partner for those two days. You've got to go out on dates. You've got to do the thing. You got to like those normal things happen. So you have to work in your entire um, normal week in two days. Most people have two day weekends to party. We have two days to get everything done and then back out on the road, do it again. So that's now is it tough? Yeah, it's weird. Like and and I and I usually go out that. It's usually my week 40, 40, 40 to 45 weeks a year out of 52. That's wow. usually, that's usually my week. So, yeah. It, it, and for people that haven't experienced that, it it, it it can seem like a lot. But for me, 
that's life. That's normal. And that's why like this whole COVID thing has got me so turned around because I'm not doing my normal routine. I have been home. I have been home for a while. And, uh, yeah, I'm like getting, I'm like getting antsy. Like I want to go on the road. That's why I'm excited for the times that I do get to perform. But yeah, that's a typical work week. If you're a successful touring stand-up comedian. Brad, you you have a podcast also. Oh, uh, I did. You Thank shut you. it down? Yeah, I shut I shut I shut I shut it down. It's a great podcast. It's called the About Last Night Podcast. I, I did it with my friend Adam Ray. We in, we interviewed some amazing people. We we interviewed Susan Sarandon, Melissa McCarthy, Bob Saget, Neil Patrick Harris, like all these amazing people. Adam Devine, um, great guests and. The reason why uh, the podcast is still going, it's just Adam doing it. Uh, when I became a father, as you heard from my recent description of my work week, um, I, that's already an, a lot of time away from home. I didn't want to have one or two more hours. Like, because when you're home, if you have a podcast, okay, now you, now you have to do that podcast in that, in that time. I didn't want something else that, took me away from my daughter. So I stopped doing the podcast for that, for that reason. And, oh. uh, I, I, I had no idea that COVID was going to happen and I was going to have all this time with my daughter. And you so didn't, you I'm can't like, jump back on it. I could, but I don't want to jump back on only to jump back off. Once we start. Listen, listen you got so much, you got so much talent, bro. I would jump on, jump off as <laughs> a guy. Listen, as a guy who's, how's your daughter? Uh, seven months. Congrats, Hello. man. What's her name? Uh, her name is, uh, you, you can see the Broncos stuff right there. This is not a joke. Her name oh. is Elway. That's <laughs> nice. We're going to get to the Broncos in a little bit. As a guy who has, I have a, she's going to turn two next month. Uh -huh. My wife is about to give birth in three weeks, I think, Whoa. to a boy now. Yeah. And my life is just like yours, man. But I think, and I'm going to give you my opinion. I think you got such good personality, dude. And I think your message transcends COVID, transcends riots, transcends anything, man. That the more Brad Williams is on the air, the happier people are going to be. So I would either, I would jump either back on that one. But if that ship sailed, start your own yeah. and just attack, bro. And do one day, two day, four day, because, bro, you got a lot of talent to, for it to stop there. Thank you, man. And and I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I I am working on that right now. I, I want to kind of get back into that world and uh, doing stuff like that. I I want to have that weekly outlet. Um, so I am probably gonna do another one at some point. When you did the podcast, guess how everybody has a little strategy of getting guests. What yeah. would you do? Would you hit up your boys? Would you hit up random people? How was you? everything? Uh, hey. We. We subscribe to a certain philosophy of if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, if you don't, like, if you didn't reach out to me, I was never going to just reach out to you and be like, hey, man, can I be on your podcast or can I be on your show? No, you have to ask people. And the worst thing they could say is no. And if they say no, okay, you move on. So, and we were shocked at some of the guests that we got just because we asked them. We which one? Which one? Give me, give me a couple there, Brad. That you were shocked. Oh, I mean the ones uh, like Susan Sarandon, an Oscar winner, did our podcast. Like that's 
madness. That's insane. But my partner, Adam, uh, met her at a movie premiere. They hung out and he just kind of said, hey, want to do a podcast? Like, and, and she said yes. And we're like, oh, okay. Like we, like, we went to people's homes. We went and being willing to go to people's homes and like uh, re- record where they are comfortable and like do things like that. You, you just kind of ask, like uh, Sandra Bullock did it. Um, like I said, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, it was just like, uh, Adam Devine, like our guest list was just madness. And every time we would get a new one, we'd be like, how the hell did we pull that one off? Nice. But but you just ask. And if someone says, check in with me later, follow up, check in with them later. So like, Hey, cause sometimes like you want to be nice, but also a little bit annoying, a little bit annoying. Because you want them in their head to think, well, maybe if I just do their podcast for an hour, they'll shut the fuck up and, <laughs> and, and get and, that out of the way. And I don't have to talk to them anymore. So you want, so you, so you want to be nice, you want to be gracious, you want to be flexible, but you also have to be a little bit annoying. So yeah, like we would, we would do that. And then for some people, um, like when you hang out with someone and have an intimate conversation for an hour or more, the, it's like when you see them next, like you have something to base that on. Like it, it's not just a typical show business conversation. Like uh, we had the Goo Goo Dolls on the podcast and cool. they had so much fun that they added us to like, they're like, no, we have to do their podcast. Whenever we have a new song, a new album, a, a new tour, whenever they would come to town, they would invite us to the show. We would go backstage, the whole thing. Like, uh, there, there was one time they were doing a photo shoot for their new tour and they hired Adam and I to just come and hang out with them for the day. They hired us to just hang out with them for the day and then, uh, and then just keep them entertained because photo shoots can be boring. So, and it's, it's not like we were doing bits. We, we, <laughs> we were just hanging out. We, we were just being dudes brad how did how did you negotiate your rate though what was the how did you say talk to me about that they gave gave us a real cheap number and we were just like cool we get to hang out with the goo goo dolls for a day and get paid for it fine give us give us a turkey sandwich and a diet coke we'll be fine we're good so yeah it was uh it it, like those those experiences are are great because now i feel like there are certain people in my life that are now friends because of podcasting like uh i'm a big wrestling fan and i'm now friends like legit i was texting with him last night i'm friends with chris jericho because of of podcasting because of podcasting because i did his podcast he did my podcast and then we just kind of like we clicked i did his i did his cruise and then now we're friends, you know, Sal from Impractical Jokers. Uh, he, he did our podcast and now we're, now we're friends. Like I can text him and he texts back. It's, it's, it's utterly and completely amazing, but also at the same time, not surprising. You sit down with someone for an hour, you get to know them, you, you talk about them, you get to know more than just the surface. How'd you get started? What's your process? But, but you have an intimate conversation with someone, they reveal stuff to you. Holy crap, man. Holy crap! Your friends, your boys, you're you're that's that's a relationship at that point. 
I love that. When I saw your your special on stage, like two million views, a clip was awesome, bro. Thanks. Your speed of talking, you have a very interesting speed because yeah. it's literally joke, 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 joke. <laughs> like you're literally going, bro, right? Yeah. yeah. When did you figure out that that speed was the best one for you to keep that tempo up going and going? Well, it started because my philosophy when, when, when I first started, and yes, I go very fast on stage. Um, and part of that is like, well, if you don't like a joke, okay, wait 15, 20 seconds. There's, there's, there's another one coming. It's fine. Like, if you don't like that one, fine. Here, try this one. Um, and <laughs> that started because when I started out. Take this one. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, oh, you don't like you don't like cheeseburgers? It's here. a buffet of jokes. Buffet of jokes. Here you go. Where's my volume, I see. <laughs> yeah, um, that started because when I started comedy, I sucked. So when I started comedy and I sucked, I would be talking so fast because like, All right, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm do this joke. No? Okay, let's try, let's try this joke. Oh, that didn't work? Okay, how about, how about this joke? And I was just frantically trying to throw jokes out there. And that kind of continued as I got better. So now my jokes are... Now my jokes are funny, but I still have that insecurity of like, if I fail at a joke, I want to make sure there's another joke coming very quickly. So, because I would watch comics go on stage and have this like, okay, like, um, St uh, Stephen Wright. Do, do, do you know who Stephen Wright is? Yeah. I don't, he's, but go for it. He's a very slow, uh, dry comedian. His jokes take a long time to get to the punchline and, and but they're awesome they're great jokes they're hilarious but in my head i watch a guy like stephen wright and i go man if that joke doesn't work you can't right. like it just failed and you have to build up from nothing like my jokes are so high energy that they're like everything's building everything's building oh that that one failed. That's okay. Something's coming right down the like, but if you take that long uh, to set up a joke, tell a joke, punchline happens, and it's not funny. Whoo! And I have so much respect for guys and girls that can do that. That 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 that, that can go a little slower um, and really develop. So much respect for them because I don't do that. I have to just keep fucking going. So. Uh, that's not that's another reason that's probably the main reason why my style is the way that it is is because it came out of a fear of failure of like well if if this joke doesn't work then i have to have something else that make that makes you laugh right away you know so then uh so so then we could still have a good time so that so that's where that style comes from nice bro when when you come and you think out like now what i love about now is that now is the, we're talking about 2020 right now, August, mm -hmm. is the time of the comedians. Mm. You guys have become the new sexy. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it's like you guys are controlling the narrative of what you do. And because of social, you can literally create a show and say, listen, we're going to call it a driving show and do that today, right? Yeah. How do you approach social media? And how do you think of it now? That like, okay, there's these opportunities. Because when I acted, bro, and I think I heard you talk about this before, what sucked is, bro, you got one, okay, you're going to move to Los Angeles. 
Mm-hmm. Living, I lived in a car for six months to get one audition. Mm-hmm. And then what am I going to do the rest of the time? I'm not a writer. I'm not anything. I uh, just sit here and wait. And it just breeds on most yeah. people this like misery, man. Yeah. But the, the fact that you can create, create, create. I know you took out the podcast so you can have more time with your kids. How are you attacking social, bro? What are you thinking now? Well, now it, it's kind of like if my career is a train – what you want what you want to do is just keep throwing track out in front of the train just like yeah it, it, for that for that very reason that you just described is i i always feel bad for actors because if 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 you don't get cast that's it there's nothing, you know there's nothing you could do you, you you can't you you didn't get the part okay that that was my income like no and it, like you're it's up it's up to somebody else with a with a comic and you're and you're seeing this now is now a comedian could build up a following from a podcast that no one says you can do or you can't do uh you can build up a following with a youtube show that you shoot in your basement you can build up a following with build with just writing really great jokes on social media posting funny photos or anything like that like what uh there's there's a comedian named um a- uh, andrew schultz who has a great YouTube show that's just like, it's so good every week. Andrew Schultz, Tim, uh, Tim Dillon, another great comic, uh, has a great podcast. And now it's like you can create your own thing. So with, so with social media, it has allowed comedians to now not, not have your audience try to find you, but you go out to your audience, whether it be live shows, whether it be podcasts, whether it be YouTube, whether it be so, tweets, whatever. Just keep putting stuff out there and something's going to catch, something's going to go. So your your audience will find you now. Um, so I try to be present on social media. I, 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 I try to tweet. I try to tweet out jokes. I don't... Now, if for comics to talk about politics... Good, good on you. Well done. Not my thing. I'm, I've always said I'm not smart enough. Like I, I'm an idiot, so I, I shouldn't be telling people what to think or, or who to vote right. for. So uh, I try to avoid that kind of stuff. But if, but, but, but if other comics won't want to do it, and if other people like that, great, fantastic. There's plenty of comedians that are, that are, that are doing political humor right now. So, uh, but I, I just try to keep throwing out jokes and one thing that i like to do when when, when I'm, like one thing i love about twitter is that i don't have to be in your town that weekend for me to for me to entertain you i just have to write a tweet write a joke do a funny video hopefully hopefully it makes you laugh hopefully you know that's that's the sole goal is just is just entertain you so um it's a one it, it's a wonderful opportunity for comedians to build their audience and continue the relationship because back in the day you would just go to a town and then you would do a show and then you would leave the town and then they don't hear about you until you're back in that town now you can all right follow me on my podcast follow me on my youtube channel follow me on twitter follow me on instagram i have people who haven't seen me in years and yet they know everything that's going on in my life because they follow me on instagram and they and they comment on pictures of my daughter like like so it's a it it's a wonderful time in comedy and that and that you can find your own audience and and you can cultivate your audience in, uh on your own where you don't need a club owner or you don't need an agency or you don't need 
um, a casting director to say like, this is the person now, like they, they don't have to give you a shot. You can create your own shot now. So it's pretty, it, it's pretty amazing. Love that dude. What's up with the Broncos, bro? How does a guy that is born in California become a Bronco fan? Uh, my dad uh, went to Stanford. John Elway went to Stanford, and he wanted us to support a Stanford-led team. That gave us two options. Uh, gave us Elway with the Broncos or Jim Plunkett with the Raiders. And because I did not have any priors or face tattoos, I can't be a Raider <laughs> fan. So uh, I, I started off being a Bronco fan. And once once your team is your team, that's your team. You that's can't team, stop huh? I have so little respect for people that are like, oh, well, I was a, you know, I was a Dolphins fan for the first 14 years of my life, but now I'm a Patriots fan. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. Uh, I lose respect for you. So but you've yeah, always been a dead, diehard Bronco guy, huh? Always. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so here, so here's a crazy story. So I'm a diehard Broncos fan. Um, my wife is eight months pregnant at the time, and I and I get a phone call. And it's, and it's my agent going, I'm going to give you a number. I'm not going to tell you who they are. Call this number. I have a feeling you're going to do this show. So I go, all right, that's weird. And I call the number and the guy who answers says his name. Let's say his name is Eric. He goes, Eric, vice president of John Elway Motors. And I'm like, hmm? <laughs> And I said, hi, I'm Brad Williams. And he goes, oh, good. We're, we're, we're trying to get a hold of you. We do a Christmas party every year for all of the John Elway car, car, car dealerships. Would you like to perform this year at the Christmas party? Woo! And I, and I was like, well, yeah, I was like working. But I go, just curious, is John going to be there? And he goes, yeah, he comes every year. And I go, yes! <laughs> so... And I've, I've already met at this point a bunch of my heroes, like uh, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, uh, Steve Atwater, Mark Jackson. These are all like classic Bronco players who I grew up loving. I've, I've gotten a chance to meet them already. But John Elway was always the white whale, always the Moby Dick. Like that's, that's my guy. Like I have a poster in my closet right, right, right over here that a friend got for me when I was like eight years old. It says, to Brad from John Elway. It's my, my, my prized possession. Uh, but I never actually got to meet him. So I, I hear about that, and I'm like, oh, God. I, yeah, I'm doing the show. So I get to this ballroom where the show is happening. John Elway walks in. He sits down. I go up on stage, and now I'm performing. He's sitting right front and center. I have to perform with my idol just staring right at me. And, no, and like, every joke, I, I look at him like, did John laugh? Did John, did John laugh? Like, and uh, he laughed. He had a great time. And then near the end, I told him on stage, I go, hey, just so you know, I'm naming my daughter after you. I'm naming <laughs> my daughter Elwa. And then I tell him, I go, just do me one favor. Just, John, just don't fuck up the name, okay? Don't fuck up the name. I know we're living in a time of cancel culture. I don't want it to be like that dude that was like, hey, this is my son. I named him after my favorite comedian. Say hello, Cosby. Like, I, don't want, I don't want that to happen. John laughed, called me over after the after the show. We talked. 
I I met his family, like, and we had a great conversation. Uh, I, there's a video on my Instagram of me actually going out for a pass and him throwing me a pass. Like, it, it's the most unbelievable weekend. And then John goes, hey, wh- what are you doing tomorrow? And I go, oh, I got to fly home. I got an eight-month, you know, pregnant wife. And he goes, oh, I was going to invite you to the game tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> so I call, I call my wife, and God bless my wife. She's like, yeah, that's your hero. He invited you to the game. Go to the game. So <laughs> I, I, stayed, I stayed in Denver uh, an, another night, went to the game, sat in John Elway's box, watched the game. It was the most unbelievable experience, like make-a-wish kid shit. And uh, it was great. And now, this most recent time I was in Denver, I was in Denver three weeks ago doing a show. They socially distance the crowd. They do temperature checks. Like they took a lot of safety precautions. I don't. I don't want people to think that I'm up there doing like what Smash Mouth did. Right, like right, right, right. Sturgis, where it's like the sixty-five thousand people just fuck it, you know, like no. <laughs> um, but John came to the show. He came to the show. Like he, like I texted him said, "Hey, I'm in town." He goes, "Cool." And I go, "Do you need tickets?" He goes, "I got it." And so he he. He buys tickets. John Elway bought tickets to see my show. That's the craziest thing. Like, I can't saying that sentence even now. Like, blows my mind. Like, whoever your heroes are, we all have our childhood heroes. To have that person then appreciate you for what you do for a living and what your thing is, and then be appreciative afterward. He came. He came backstage afterward. We talked. He remembered me. Was talking about stuff that I brought up. Like, it was just. The most unbelievable moment, and now I can say I'm friends with John Elway, and that's the most batshit crazy sentence I've ever said in my life. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. That, what a, that's an awesome story. All right, one of your bits, you're, it's awesome. You said you fucked every dwarf pussy that came after you. <laughs> right? Oh man! Oh, so, see, sometimes I forget what jokes I've done. Uh, they get brought back to me. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, I, I, I did say. That. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I think the joke is like I've, I, I've, I fucked more dwarves than curbs, or so, or something like that, or like I fucked more dwarves than height requirements, whatever. Uh, yeah. There, there was a time in my single days where I, I had, I had a lot of fun with dwarf women. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun, and uh, it 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 was great. It was a it was a good time in my life, and uh, I'm 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 definitely happier now with my wife, who who is tall. Hey, Brett, how tall is your wife? Uh, five foot seven. Dude, yeah. I would have your same mentality if I was. Listen, both me and Ivan are over six feet, but if I was you working your system, I would be the same thing. The taller, the better. So I love, that's another, see, that's another thing that I love about you, bro. You, I've noticed, and I could be wrong. One of the good things about having a person like you in your platform and your situation is you've eliminated excuses. Mm. You've eliminated complaining. You've Mm. eliminating all these negativities, negative things that hold a lot of young, young kids in their twenties that follow, that listen to this podcast. Mm. And you said something in the beginning, which was, man, how do I become a comedian? And it's like, how about you start doing comedy? Just start doing comedy. It's the most insane basic advice, but it's so true when you say, like, how do I become a, 
a director. Start directing. Start directing. Like, start directing. Like no one's gonna pay you at first. You gotta build that up. But how do you how do you become an NFL football coach? Well, you start you start coaching football. You like, start coaching football. It, it, Your it confidence. Like, it, it sounds so basic and so and so insane, but it's so true because no one's gonna walk up to an inexperienced, non-tested person and be like. Hey, do you want to be the announcer for the Miami Dolphins? Like, no one's going to do that. You have to start off journalism and start off calling minor leagues and start off doing like and 100%, slowly, 100%. slowly build your way up, uh, or just be a former player and then go right to the booth. But that's that's one more thing. But like, yeah, you 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 no, no matter what you want to do in life, if you want to be a famous podcaster, you have to start doing podcasts. You have to start doing it, and that's how it was for comedy. Start doing comedy. Go to open mic nights. Well, no one's paying me. Okay, who who gives a shit? They should. Let, let's talk me. about that for a second, bro. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Especially today, people are confused that they think they need to get paid for everything. Mm-mm. No, there is. Uh, yeah, go go and uh, become a greeter at Walmart. Uh, work at McDonald's. That's your paycheck. Okay, that's that's work to to get paid. But then. When you when you're doing what you want to do and what you love to do, that's something that start off doing it for free and then eventually, hopefully, down the line. It's funny. Um, a, a guy there. There's a there's a story one time about someone coming up to Jerry Seinfeld and saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about getting into stand up comedy," and Jerry just looked at him and said, "You're never gonna make it." And the guy said, what do you mean? You, you don't even know if I'm funny or not. And Jerry goes, I don't have to know. You said I'm thinking about going into stand-up comedy. If you're a stand-up comic, you're doing stand-up comedy. You're, you're, you're doing it. You can't stop doing it. You, 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 you can't be told you, you, you can't be told you're not going to do it. You just do it. So, and I always remember that story uh, because we all have, we all have the person in our lives and, Maybe it's yourself who keeps saying like, you know, one day, one day I'm going to write a book. One day, one day, one day I'm going to write that screenplay. One day, one day I'm going to start that podcast. One day, what's this one day bullshit? That's, that's, that's one thing that the pandemic has, has given everyone. Okay. Now, now you don't have excuses. Now you're not going out at night. Now you're not. You, you 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 don't have to go to the office now. You're not going to sporting events. Not, you, you're home. You're home. So if you can't start a podcast, and that's why I'm really happy that you said you started this during uh, COVID, is because you're home. Do whatever you're gonna do. Like it's hard to do stand up comedy now if you're just starting because you, you know no, there's no audiences whatsoever. But hey, that doesn't mean you can't do uh, virtual shows, which can teach you things it, it doesn't mean you can start writing jokes on twitter it doesn't mean you, like you can start doing these things whatever it is you want to do in your life whatever it is just start start doing it and right now in the time in the time of covid you have no excuses not to brad in the i completely agree with you in the dwarf community i've mm-hmm. noticed there's a lot of i don't know if it's depression a lot of mental health stuff a lot of lack of yeah. confidence i've noticed that man how did you escape that? 
Did you ever, was there a point that you even, or you were just like, listen, this is who I am. I'm running with this. Fuck everybody else. I was born with this thing. I'm going to crush this world. I'm going to get a five foot, a five foot sevener and just crush life with Elway. Cause I think we don't talk about that. And I just, people just find themselves in a rut and then they can't get fucking out of it. You know, how, how, talk to me about that. Well, I mean, I, I'd be lying if if I said I'm just happy go lucky all the time and I always have a positive attitude. Nah, it sucks. Sometimes sometimes it sucks. When I when I have to um when I'm buying clothes and I have to get shit taken to a tailor and I and I can't just buy a suit. I have to get this whole thing done like or I, or I can't just buy a pair of jeans. Yeah, that sucks. When I was in high school and no 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 one was dating me uh because I was just always the good buddy. Like, yeah, that sucks. But one thing the, the the thing that always got me through it and I, I think this can help you in no matter what your situation is, because we all, we all have a difference. We all, we, we all have something. No one, no one is, is, is just a dude, like a, the quote unquote normal guy or normal woman, like normal. We all have something that's a little, that, that, that's not average. I, I would say the thing that got me, through all my times was always humor, was always having a sense of humor, always be willing to laugh at yourself, always be willing to see the funny in, 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 in the tragedy. Um, and that, and that'll help you with whatever it is. I mean, and I've noticed that the, not just the dwarves, but the people with disabilities that have the best lives are the ones that have good senses of humor. Uh, that are able to laugh at a situation, that don't take it so seriously, that aren't just, like, I don't wake up every day going like, I'm a dwarf, life sucks, can't win, can't achieve. Like, that kind of negative thinking just pulls you down. And just like, if that's all you're thinking about, of course you're never going to succeed because you're never putting, you're, you're never putting positive thoughts out there. So... Yeah, that's how I always cope with it. Is I would, it is I would always be funny, and then always I would say to myself, like in like in high school when I when I was bummed out because because I, cause I couldn't get a date. But that's everyone in high school. No, like right. two guys got laid in high school. That was it. Like <laughs> everyone, like it was it was it was it, it's hard for everybody. Like um, when 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 I couldn't get a date or whatever, I I I just thought to myself, okay, I have to work harder. I have to work harder to, to develop something that if I want to attract someone uh, that they will be attracted to, whether it be a personality that's just more fun than other guys, whether that be monetarily where I can provide more than your average guy can. I have to do that. That's what I, that's what I have to do. So rather than looking at a, rather than looking at a situation where you go, well, I, these are, this is what, this is what I'm lacking. So I can't achieve. You go, okay, that's what I'm lacking. So this is what I have to overcome. These, these are the, these are the ways I have to work harder. And these are the, these are the things that I have to do better in order to get this thing that I desire. So yeah, there's, um, that's how you kind of deal with it. And also it's, it's just better than the alternative. It's better than the alternative. And there's always people that have it worse there's always a thousand percent bro a thousand percent brad with what's going on in the comedic scene especially in la with a lot of comics leaving man Mm -hmm. you you got my boy 
fellow Cuban, Joey Diaz, took off already. Yep. Uh, Joe's taking off soon, Rogan. Yep. How how does how do you view that, man? Are you like, well, it's gonna suck. We're missing people. Uh, do you think about that yourself? Like, man, if these people are taking off, maybe it might be a sign for me. How do you feel? Both. Um, because I have a I have a really nice house right now that I that I that I really like. But one of the reasons why I was able to afford this house is because it's in a really shitty school district. <laughs> it's, right. It's, right. It's, uh, the houses around here, not so good. Uh, so um, I know that with my daughter, I have to move. I have to to give her to, to give her the best opportunity. So I know I have to move at some point. And once you get to a point where you're like start, starting to look at other states in terms of like, because it 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 used to be things were just like you lived in your area and that was your area. And maybe the other area was good, but your but your area is shitty. Well, oh well. Now it's like you go to all, a lot of these cities, and, and I travel all all over the country. I've seen, I've been to all fifty states. I've seen every city. It seems um, like every city's got some cool places. Every city's got the great bar, good food, the good coffee shop, the good scene, the good like good schools, good schools. Yeah, schools. Some 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 are better than others. I'm not saying there's there's no there's, good public schools yeah. too, which is which is yeah. important, man. Yeah, so uh, I debate with it. Now I now I have a lot of family here in here in, here in Southern California, but I grew up in Orange County, so maybe I moved to Orange County. Maybe I stay here. Maybe uh, maybe I moved to Denver. I don't know. Like it, it's it, for me, it's all things are on the table uh, because I because I've got to consider it. Yeah, yeah, but you have to look at you have to look at it though, because you know how I said like everyone has our thing that's a little different. Like no one's normal. That's a, that's a, that, that's every city too. Every city. Hell yeah. That, Hell yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Like, do you have tornadoes? Do you have earthquakes? Do you have fires? Do you have homeless? Do you have right? Do you have rot? Do you have riots? Do you have like? Do you have shitty weather? Like, what do you have? What's what's the thing that you have? No, no city's perfect. So you just kind of gotta look at it and look and look with what you want to do with your career. Uh, right now, the center of the stand-up comedy world is you know. It's still New York and LA. Right now, I can't imagine living too far away from here. But at the same time, maybe, maybe I move. Maybe I take a Southwest flight in. Because now with like flights and stuff, it's like, oh, I could pay forty nine bucks to fly from Denver to LA, be in LA for a few days, and then fly home. Like I could do that. So yeah, there's a. It it, it it's just everyone has to look at whatever situation works the best for them. Uh, I know Joe. Uh, is moving to Texas, like like you said, to get a little more freedom, to get a little less taxes. Um, uh, Joey, I think, is moving to New Jersey uh, for family reasons. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, some guys are moving, and that's fine. Live wherever you want to live. Uh, we live in a fantastic time where Joe can fly in and, and do the comedy store for a week or two, and then fly back. Uh, Joey can do the same thing, or go or go to New York with that with with that uh, with their comedy scene. So. I mean, people just have to look at the situation and see what works best for them. And uh, for me, I, I, I don't know yet. So uh, I would like to stay in California. I was born here. I was raised here. I would, I would like to stay here. But yeah, some of the stuff, I don't want to get into too specific details. Because like I said, I don't like to talk politics. But some of the stuff here drives me insane. Some of the stuff I love. Some of the stuff I'm like, oh, thank God I live here. Some right. of the stuff I'm like, man, like <laughs> I'd like to... 
I'd like to do this. I'd like to have a little, you know, so it, you, you just kind of have to examine whatever works for you. Brad, favorite type of music. Hold on one second, Ivan. Let me hit that. Go, go, go. Favorite type of music. Oh, I love blues rock, man. Blues rock, rock and roll. Like, Who's number love, one blues rock? Tell me. Like, uh, Black Crows are really good. Black Keys. Um, uh, just like. Oh, favorite Black Crows song. I, I'm, I, I'm on a big uh, Gary Clark Jr. kick right now. Okay. Love that, dude. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Black Crow song, I like Sting Me. Uh, Black Sting Me. Black Key song, um, Little Black Submarine. All right. Yeah. I like blues rock. I like it. it, it it's a good thing you can kind of jam on and uh, just kind of like have in the background. It's not, and also it, it kind of fits every mood. Like, yeah, I love like hard rock. Fuck yeah, let's go. Like Avenged Sevenfold, Fozzy. Like, I, I love that. But I, I can't listen to that in the morning, like 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 I'm having my tea and I'm and I'm holding my daughter. I can't be like Ugh! like I can't. Like it just doesn't work. Like got like I'd be a certain mindset. You know what I mean? So in in the morning I wake up and I and I put on the Aretha Franklin station and I just chill. Like it like it's just it, it, it blues rock. I like it. It's good. Nice. I, I wanted to ask you a quick question sure. about today's cancel culture. Yeah. And how difficult has the job become for comedians? Do you have to change your style? Do you pause before you say something just in case? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, once again, kind of depends on who you are. Because, I mean, there's some comedians that are leaning into it. That are, that are like, no, I'm going to be the person that says all the weird stuff. And if a certain group of people tries to cancel me, screw them like i'm still gonna like i'll find my audience like i was talking about earlier who will still like me there are there are people that and i kind of put myself in this in this boat that i try i try to be careful because i haven't i mean it depends on what your de definition of making it is in my mind i haven't made it yet i haven't had my big show or my big tour or my big thing that like okay now i'm good like it, it doesn't matter what i do now um, but also it's your audience. What kind of audience do you want? What kind of audience do you want to have? Like there's some people that have really like leaned into a certain philosophy and now they're almost kind of locked into it because they, 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 they can't go another way. Cause now it will be disappointing to their fan base and, um, that's up to them. But, uh, you know, it's, I am careful now because you also don't want to be like this sound this sounds stupid but you don't you don't want to be canceled for doing nothing like <laughs> like like you don't want to be canceled but like you don't want to be canceled for like throwing out a joke that just gets taken out of context and then like runs with it and now you have housewives from North Dakota that are like kill them like <laughs> like, like, like you don't want to do that like so like, I, I I I get it so I try I try to be careful but at the same time like think of all the great comedy movies that were made back in the day that now couldn't be made. Just Airplane. Someone uh, <laughs> sent me a screenshot. The, the movie Rush Hour was on TV the other night and they had a disclaimer before Rush Hour that said, really? like, yeah, that said like this movie was made in a different time. Sensibilities were different. And I'm just like, 
What? <laughs> Brad, One it's hour? like rated T for time. Yeah. <laughs> rated T for different time. Coach, that's a funny joke. That's a funny joke. You, you have rated R, rated PG, rated T for time. That's, Dude, oh, God, that's you, funny. That's, that's coming on stage, bro. You, that's you. I'm giving you. I'm giving you two already, bro. Come on. That's yours, but no, man. That's with it. That's great. That that's so God. That's so funny. But like you, you look back and and because because everyone could give examples of like blazing saddles and go like, yeah, that that couldn't be made today. And that's a genius movie. It's so funny. And uh, but then to to think of a movie like Rush Hour, where it's just like, oh, so you you just can't have a black guy, an Asian guy joking about being black and Asian. Like you can't, you can't do that. Anymore. Like, I don't understand it. Holy shit. Um, one thing, one thing about comedy that drives me nuts is that comedy is not for everyone and types of comedy are not for everyone. It's not, you know, it, it, it's for a specific group that likes a specific thing, you know, and, 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 it, 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 like there's plenty of music out there that I don't like. Does that mean that nobody should be able to listen to that music? No. What, it, listen, if you like EDM music, good for you. It's not me. It's not for me. I don't like it. But that doesn't mean that like nobody should like it or EDM artists should never work again because like it, it, it's madness to me that people look at comedy and some movies or whatever, and it's not just, I don't like that. It's nobody should like that. It's like, who the fuck are you to tell people? Like, let them enjoy it. Let them have fun. As long as they're not like taking it and then like going off and hurting someone. Like, all right, if you watch Jaws and then you release a great white shark in someone's backyard, then all right, well, that's bad. But like, if, if you just watch it and go like, ah, cool, scary movie fun like it, it i don't plenty of people can watch a movie watch listen to a comedy album listen to music and just go that was good or that was bad and then move on from it i do not understand how anyone could hear a song hear a joke see a movie and be like oh, okay whoever worked on this movie can never work again like i yeah, what it's crazy. it's crazy because they offended you you're not the emperor. You're not a yeah. dictator that that that, that 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 gets to say what is good and what is bad. There's plenty of stuff out there, and in a time where we have so much content, where there's so much to choose from, you can enjoy comedy from Joe Rogan, from Chris Rock. If you like it a little cleaner, okay. Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan. If, if you like, uh, like there, there's plenty of hilarious uh, women doing comedy. There's all disabilities. There's points of view. There's perspective. Great. Find whatever speaks to you. Find find whatever comedy works for you, and enjoy the hell out of that comedy. You know, I I do not. I for the life of me, I will never understand watching something and then not liking it and thinking that no person could ever enjoy this ever again. I don't get it. Yeah, Dude, with, with me, it's a little different, Brad, and I, and I don't know if I have this discussion with, with Ivan, but I, I looked at a real successful friend of mine who's real popular. He started making a statement that you could tell a lot of people in their character 
by how they root for their sports team. Mm. And he started saying that he started seeing a bunch of Steph Curry jerseys in New York. Sure. Because people just want to jump on winning bandwagons, you know? Yep. yep and yep. me growing up, looking at my affiliation of teams, and like, okay, I'm Cuban from Miami, but I like the Chicago Bulls because of Jordan. Yeah. I didn't like UM. I yeah. like FSU. Okay. I I didn't like we didn't have the Marlins back then. We were the Mets because we got WWR. And then in football, I went for the Bills. Listen to this. I would root for the Bills. Now, the Bills. as an adult now, and, I, and, my, and my friend kept saying that, I go, let me think about why I did that. And I figured it out. What's that? Be because of the abuse I was dealing with because of my dad here in Miami, yeah. I was losing consistently in Miami every single day. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find winners to overcompensate for the amount of my ass being kicked on a daily basis to root for that. So yeah. I th that's how now I have – I love Miami, but I have no affiliation to, to the teams here because of that. And then I started to think about that, and I started to help people that suffered what I suffered to say, listen, those are little things that we do to make up for the, the insufficientness that we grew up with. So that's my little sports theory when it comes ah, to that, bro. Hey, you know what? Good for you. And I can tell you've been in some therapy. You, <laughs> Dude, you know what the therapy is? No, you know, I have the therapy of life, man. I've never been to a therapist before, okay. but I was this, uh, the ability to help others in anything you can do, especially when you were talking about kids and relationship with kids and parents, to yeah. me has shaped my whole life. And has helped me be where I'm at today, where I get to sit on a show and talk to the great Brad Williams. Ah. So, bro, that's that that to me is priceless. Wait You see that, man? Professional. Before well, we let you go, man, any questions for me or anything I can help you with? Man, you know what? I just like the fact that you're that that you're a positive person. You're I I I would describe you in, in our brief conversation today as an intensely positive person like when you stare even through the camera i'm 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 getting like let's get in there let's get in there and find yeah. it let's get in there and figure this out let's let let's do it that's an intensely positive person and i appreciate that uh i i feel like i know about the miami culture and who and who people are in miami because i love the uh I, I love the Dan Lebetard show and I listen to that show almost every day. And I, I feel like I got like a little piece of Miami. It's, it's not the whole thing, but, but I've also toured Miami, done a lot, done a lot of stuff down, down there in South Florida. Hope, hope, hope you back soon. And uh, yeah, man, um, I think I'm scheduled right now. I'm scheduled to be at the Miami improv. Uh, the, I think January 16th, I want to say. So we're coming to support you. Listen, we'll be, there. Come on by. we'll be there or in LA, whatever, but we're definitely going to catch up in person, man, and support you and give you the love you deserve. Boom. There it is. Thank you guys so much, so much for the support. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for the love. Thank you for, for rolling with me. We're only starting. Thank you again. It's your coach. Remember forever. Please go hard and do your thing.